Excuse me, where's everybody going? To Gobbler's Knob. It's Groundhog Day. It's still just once a year, isn't it? Now, don't you tell me you don't remember me, because I sure as heck fire remember you. Not a chance. <laughs> Ned Ryerson! I'm sorry, what was that again? I'm a god. You're god. I'm a god. I'm not the god. I don't think. Because... Thank you for tuning in to this week's episode of the Billy Corgan Fancast. This is episode 420. Uh, We are... No, this is actually Midweek Matinee, the movie podcast. episode 69. Yeah. Mm -hmm. (laughs) 420 divided by 69 equals DMT. Um, We are Midweek Matinee. We talk about movies. This week, we're talking about groundhog day uh a harold ramus classic from 1993 which has cemented its place in pop culture and basically is the de facto definition of the phrase groundhog day um this week as is every week is the case every week we are joined by blake how's it going everybody (laughs) we are also joined by chris oh hello everyone and because I don't know how to say these names in any other order, we have uh, Brett, the man who actually gets things done during the apocalypse and makes uh, certain <laughs> people who sometimes host this podcast feel like they really should get better at their time management. Uh, Brett, how's it going? <laughs> oh, hi. I, I didn't see you there. I was just <laughs> painting this tree. <laughs> what color? Sounds like terrible time management. <laughs> <laughs> you know, trees already tree. have colors. The, the tree is red. It represents red my anger with you for wasting all of your free time. Do you, also have a, do you also have a blue tree? I do, because yeah. it represents the melancholy that I feel for you wasting all your free time. Do you have one tree or two trees? Three trees, because so you, you can't have, predict me. So you have one tree, but you also have two more trees, and they're red and blue trees? No, the third tree is a random color. What are we doing here? (laughs) (laughs) Well, speaking of melancholy, uh, that whole bit gave me infinite sadness. Anyway, uh, so let's get right into it. Uh, Groundhog Day, obviously, uh, is a movie that's, I think, even if people haven't seen it, it's kind of well-known. It's a... You know, it's kind of a classic. It's one of those iconic Bill Murray roles. And uh, I think everyone's at least loosely familiar with, you know, the premise of a jaded news reporter who gets stuck reliving the same day over and over and over again uh, ad nauseum. But uh, one thing I'm curious about before we get into our deeper dive is like, uh, I want to kind of go around and talk about. Uh, how closely this movie did or did not match up with your expectation of it, since this is a fairly well-known movie. Uh, so I want to start with Blake. Uh, how did this movie compare to your idea of it? And had you seen it before? So, no, I have not seen it before. And um, I've never, like, this is kind of my hot take for the episode, I guess. I've never oh been a big fan of Bill Murray. Like, I like the guy, but he's just never made me laugh, really. Like, his brand of comedy, I guess. Mm-hmm. So I went into it kind of with, like, my, like I, mild might be 
too mild of a word, I guess. Like <laughs> mediocre expectations. I went in expecting to enjoy it, but not think it's like one of the best comedies ever, like I hear so many people say. And that's pretty right. much how I walked out of it. I enjoyed the movie, but I maybe laughed like twice. I think it was a better movie than it was a better comedy, if that makes sense. Mm. Yeah, that's fair. All right. Uh, Chris, what about you? Uh, I thought it was a pretty good movie. I hadn't seen it before, and I think the expectations of what the movie was kind of hurt it for me a little bit. Because I was mm. expecting this just... I was expecting something that I felt was more influential. You know what I mean? And it obviously was influential. I'm not saying it wasn't. But like I felt like I would feel that more. Mm. And I think maybe the issue is I have also seen a lot of things with the same concept before this. Um, so that's how I felt about it. I thought it was good. It was just wasn't everything I was expecting at the same time. Gotcha. That's fair. Uh, and Brett, what about you? Had you seen this movie before? Yeah, I actually had. Um, it's been about 10, maybe 12 years. I'd say the last time I watched it, I'm pretty sure it was sometime in 2008. Um, it was weird re-watching it because it kind of gives you... It's like, I remember when I watched it, it wasn't like the center of my attention. So mm-hmm. it was almost... <laughs> It was almost like a Groundhog Day experience of like, I remember some of this, but it's weird. It's like vaguely familiar, uh, kind of like the scene when she's like, do you get any deja vu from this? It just kind of had that, that thing going for it. Uh, now, speaking on its legacy, and I think what a lot of people view it from, of course, I had the fact that I'd seen it before. But I still feel it. I don't know what it is. Maybe it's because there is a, a sense of nostalgia tied to it. But I know that I had never watched anything else with the time loop premise prior to watching it. So I still got that magic the first time of watching it of the kind of the um, the novelty of the premise that when the movie came out, it really genuinely was a novel premise. Mm-hmm. So it, it, rewatching it was fun. I had a really good time. I do like Bill Murray. I'm not like obsessive but there's plenty of people who are i I do think he's funny in a lot of roles uh but i might you know it's not like blake was saying like you know you hear a lot of people that are like oh my god bill murray i do like him but it's not something like that so uh either way i enjoyed it yeah um yeah i i think that's that's totally fair it's hard to I don't know. It's hard to separate a movie from its legacy when it's something that's so ingrained in pop culture. And that's a, that's a thing we kind of talked about with Scarface too, where it's like at some point something is so just everywhere that you kind of have an impression of it and you kind of have a relationship to it, even if you haven't seen the movie. Um, But yeah, that is really interesting that you bring it up that like it is potentially the movie that popularized the trope of time loops and then other movies, you know, do it better because they get to learn from you know previous movies that explore the same theme um yeah or for at me least do it different you know I, I think that's kind of the big thing uh sure and i guess we should give it its, its credit it was actually put into uh the what do you want to call it the, the film history thing for, as being a culturally and uh you know culturally significant to film so i yeah. do think that it is wi- widely viewed as the the movie that if not created, which I don't know that, if not created that um, premise, at least popularized it. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, getting added to the National Film Registry is, uh, I mean, that's a pretty high honor for any movie. 
But uh, yeah, yeah so just my dumb my way just worded it poorly. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's all National good. National Film I'm Registry cheating. sounds a lot better than Movie Hall of Fame or whatever. <laughs> I <essentially said> <laughs> movie Museum. Um, yeah, no, I'm cheating. I have the Wikipedia page in front of me. Uh, oh, you cheater! <laughs> I'm such a piece of shit. Uh, so yeah, uh, quickly summarize my initial impression of it. I. Um, I, I'm I'm one of those young idiot kids who hasn't seen movies. Uh, I haven't seen most movies, honestly. But uh, yeah, this is. I, I think I've seen like three movies that Bill Murray's in, and two of them are Wes Anderson movies. So yeah, this is probably my first like watching through a proper Bill Murray comedy. And, and I should totally acknowledge off the bat that it's like. I imagine to at least one person listening to this, it's absurd that we're even like, oh, how was your first viewing of this classic movie that's been out almost 30 years? <laughs> um, I know I know this movie's a big deal for some people, and that's part of why I was excited to get to watch it, because it's like, you know, I want to get to know what the hype's about. But, yeah, um, for sure. Yeah, for me, it, it feels... Uh, there's something very cookie cutter in like a way that's comforting, but still not adventurous at all about like 90s comedies like this. Uh, and this one 80s. to me very much, well, this was 93, right? You know, it, it was totally following the tradition, but my point of reference is always Tommy boy. So to me, when I think of like a movie that feels this way and progresses roughly this way, with the exception of the time loop novelty, I think of Tommy boy and to a lesser extent, black sheep. Um, mm-hmm. but yeah, so part of me was kind of like, I feel like I would enjoy this more if it was David Spade playing the, the stuck up dude who doesn't want friends as opposed to Bill Murray. Um, but, uh, by the way, I didn't realize that this movie was, I really thought this movie was like 89 for some reason. So when you said 93, I was like, I guess it just feels decidedly eighties to me. Yeah. So yeah. It's I was surprised it was a nineties movie too. Just yeah, feels very well. much in eighty, like but late eighties. It feels like when you're right on the cusp of kind of changing into the nineties, but it still has so much of the eighties feel. And that may just because come uh, maybe because of the fact that it was Harold Ramis and mm-hmm. not too far after the eighties. I actually didn't know this was made by Harold or directed by Harold Ramis until uh, I was watching the beginning, and it kind of just popped up, and I said, "Oh, like it's not surprising," but I just didn't know it. Yeah. Yeah, I, I I'm like less familiar with his work, but I kind of felt the same way because I, I felt like I would I felt like his work would kind of stand out, and I would like identify this with him. But yeah, anyway, yeah. Uh, I'll, I'll stop I'd rambling. Actually, I go sorry. ahead. I had actually never heard of Harold Ramis until watching this, which I'm sure I may have seen some of his <clears> other stuff, but the name didn't it didn't ring a bell for me until watching this movie. So uh, he did Passion of the Christ, sir. <laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> he did Passion of the Christ. But that's not actually true. He didn't. Okay, that's, I was about to say, I don't think that's true. true. <laughs> I don't I'm sure that's like joke. Mel Gibson. <laughs> Mel Gibson is Harold Ramis? <laughs> da, da, no, da, so da. Most people know Harold Ramis because of Ghostbusters, if we're just being honest. I mean, that's, okay. that's the breakout it. starring role that everyone would know. Oh, well. And you know, I'm really surprised. For some reason, I did not. When you chose this movie, I didn't think that I was the only person that had seen it before. For some reason, I thought <laughs> that at least somebody else had seen it. So I have a, a very light question that's just a curiosity, yes. Josh. Was the recent Super Bowl commercial a catalyst for making you want to choose this movie? Did it kind of bring it, bring it back up in your mind because it kind of got a little second wave of people talking about it? 
You know, I actually didn't know about that Super Bowl commercial until just before we started recording when I happened to see it in Google search results. Mm. Um, so part of me is glad that somebody thought to do that because that's like one of those, I, I like dumb ideas that you follow through on anyway, and that's totally one of them. Um, but uh, yeah, it was, uh, I think once like the whole quarantine thing started, I was just seeing a lot more like uh Groundhog Day memes of like, all right, it's it's Monday again, but just like you know, <laughs> in like the the quarantine kind of uh, lens. But uh, sure. yeah, that was basically it. It was uh, topically somewhat relevant, and it was on Netflix. That's my criteria. I'm I'm not being adventurous this week. Um, <laughs> anyway, um, but yeah, I guess we can just fucking dive right the fuck into it. Uh, Let's get into the meat of this movie discussion. I guess we can go into themes. I don't know if there's... It's kind of like the one big novelty thing. It feels more like the events that happen are the kind of meat of what to talk about here. But uh, Well, it's interesting because, I mean, I, I feel like it does do the movie. And again, it's, it's weird and maybe different for you guys because this is all first viewing after seeing, again, a, a lot of media that borrows from this premise. But to me... Um, and I feel like most of the movies that utilize this premise all actually utilize it with the same back end theme, which is just the, the it's like the ultimate theme of self-improvement because it's kind of like how when you're looking at it's like by reliving the same day over and over and being able to reflect on the consequences of every action and seeing how it goes out and then being able to change it and see how it changes things mm. is like the ultimate way for you to kind of again, it's, it's something that can only happen in fiction, but that's kind of the great thing. Like, you know, it's fiction using its device in a very uh, weird but unique way to tell a really strange story of self-improvement. But I, I actually like that theme. And again, because I had seen the movie in the past and not had seen anything that borrowed from that premise yet, it felt really novel. And revisiting it felt just as novel to me again and in a good way. And like, I, I still feel like, like Blake said, he thinks it's actually a better movie than a better comedy. I think it's interesting because it's one of those things where it's a, it's a mixed bag, right? So like the, the living the same day over and over again, of course becomes the, the catalyst for them to move on and talk about self-improvement as a person, which is clearly the, the movie's goal. But mm. it's also the thing that sets up for all of the comedy that follows. So, I, I get that it is a comedy and I know that that has a lot, but I do feel like most of the comedies that are my favorite comedies, like just really stick with me long after they have mm -hmm. a heart to them in the background. And so yeah. it is a good movie and I actually did really enjoy the movie aspect of it. But I feel like when you have that heart to come back to that, it has, it makes all the comedy feel more worth it because it doesn't feel like the comedy was just in vain just to make you laugh and then move on to the next scene to make you laugh. Sure. So that's, we could start on that, but I like that. I thought that that was a cool theme and I liked how most of the movie, the goal, uh, one of the things I said about prisoners that I really liked was that it, every scene feels like it's, important to the movie mm -hmm. and, and it, it's obviously a way different tone here but i feel like every scene in this movie is important to building to the character that we're eventually going to see at the end of the movie it's like every scene that happens mm -hmm. matters and i really like that absolutely so yeah um i've rambled enough i do have some thoughts on that but blake i want to get to you first uh, do you have any kind of follow-up on that um, 
Not really. I think that Brett pretty much nailed it on the head. I think the theme of improving yourself is basically like the only theme that I could get out of it or whatever. But um, mm-hmm. so yeah, I don't really have much to add. I pretty much just agree with what he said, and that's pretty <laughs> much it. <laughs> that's all good. Um, yeah, honestly, uh, Brett, you saying that kind of like it, it made me realize uh, a thing that I noticed while watching it, but definitely like hearing you say that in hindsight makes it click like how efficient this movie is with its use of scenes. Um, honestly, that was a thing that stood out to me. Like the more we started revisiting the same moments from like different angles or different like ways the conversations could go. I was really curious, like how the fuck did they keep take of like, or keep track of takes for this kind of movie where it's like, <laughs> all right, uh, conversation one variation 36 like take 16 like i'm really curious how they like just mechanically like made all of that aspect of it work because it's like you know some conversations some instances i imagine they must have done like at least 30 takes of yeah i thought that too like from an editing standpoint it's like you probably would not throw away when when your goal is to have a movie that is focused around reliving the same day and having the same events happen in a various, a very amount of ways mm-hmm. is like, do you throw any takes out? Do you, every take, <laughs> do you just roll with it as long as it's not utterly botched? Do you just be like, it, it was different, but we're going to keep it because maybe we can find a way to edit it in. Or was it so perfectly written that the editing wasn't really that much of a challenge? That's something I thought about when watching it as well as the, the workflow back end of making the movie work when you're actually dealing with the things that make it a movie. Like, you know, when you disconnect the end product from you and you start looking at all the stuff that builds that end product, it's kind of crazy, a little crippling to think about how hard that must have been definitely in the nineties when technology was so much different. Absolutely. Like, I wonder, was that an ambitious, like, was that a really ambitious title from, a, like, an editing and back-end standpoint at the time? And that's something that we don't really get to think about and enjoy in the same way? Because, like, 93 was the year I was born. I have very little to think about. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah, it's, uh, we're really born the same year. That's so trippy. Um yeah, it's a trip to think about that. Like, I, I'd honestly get like anxious just thinking about like, all right, you gotta edit film. You can't see how that take looked. You can't like, you have way fewer references for like blocking because you got to do the blocking exactly the same way for each scene. But all that shit. Anyway, uh, Chris, we've kind of skipped over you. Did you have any like uh, add-ons to <laughs> the editing or just any of the shit we've been talking about so no. far? I actually, yeah, I actually kind of want to go back to you guys talking about the theme for a second. I think I'm going to open a little bit of a can of worms here, but uh, yes, did did he actually? Figs, be- you're in the show to open a can of worms. That's why we have you. Good because <laughs> I think I got one because I don't think he became a better man at the end of the movie. Mm. So I don't. I think he's arguably a worse guy than he was before, actually, in a completely different way. So. It's interesting well, to hear you guys say that he's he's a better person. And that, I, I'd yeah. love to hear you. you expand you've on opened that. a can of worms because now I got to know why you feel that way. Because this the whole movie is a movie about him manipulating the woman yes. until he gets her to do what she wants, what he mm-hmm. wants. There, mm-hmm. I don't. I'm not. I don't want to make the argument because I don't necessarily <laughs> believe it. But there's an argument to be made that <laughs> the entire movie is a rape. <laughs> I, 
I'm glad yeah, you were the one a, saying that, so I don't have to. <laughs> I kind of figured that we were going to have the same opinion on this, which surprising in a lot of ways on that well, topic. But but yeah, I don't know. I kind of just and there's points in there was the point the first time when he brought her back to his room and he nailed the day, mm-hmm. and I was like, you got you got to let her go very soon, buddy. Like yeah, <laughs> um, and it ended just just enough because i was watching it, i'm like okay like i get it they're kind of flirting and then she's like really pushing him and i'm like okay let her go and then yes. eventually she's like what the fuck and hits her and i'm like okay cool mm-hmm. i don't know it was just like yeah. i just completely disagree with you guys because i think at the end of the movie he's there's an argument to be made that he i don't know what the right word is but Sure. It Blake kinda sounds like, like he's got something, but I definitely have a rebuttal to that because I feel I'd like you're short-siding where the movie continues to go. But Blake, I, I want to hear what you have to say before I dish out. I was just going to say dish. that I completely agree. <laughs> 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 Actually, like now that you mention it, like because that one scene that you mentioned where it was the first night where he got her to his room or whatever, and he's right. she's pushing and pushing and he keeps kissing her cheek and neck and stuff. Like I was like, dude, this is getting like borderline sexual assault yeah <laughs> like, like oh, she's for sure to leave and it reminds someone me nominate of, this man um the first rocky movie i don't know if y'all have seen that but there's a very similar scene where she's like trying to leave his apartment and he like stands in front of the door with his arm in the way and then she ends up mm. spending the night or something but it's like both of these movies are really highly regarded by like almost everybody and neither one of these scenes get mentioned and i just think that's kind of weird but so but my counterpoint i think that that was kind of the bottom for him and i think from there he learned does that make sense so i think he became a better person after that yeah because I, I think just, up to that point he was still being his normal shitty self which also i do want to say i don't think bill murray plays like a bad person nice very guy. well like <laughs> <laughs> like he's really bad at being a bad guy like i didn't find it well because he's not supposed to yeah, I, I kind of get what you mean, but at the same time, I don't think he's supposed to be like the epitome of evil. I think he's well, just no, supposed to be someone who is self-centered. And it's not right. that he's going into things with the with ill intentions towards the other person. He's going towards it with positive intentions for himself without the thought of how it affects the other person. Which right. is, but I think uh, again, that plays into the self-improvement theme, but that's one of the themes of the movie is how little he thinks about other people. He's not selfless. And the, the theme of self-improvement in this really comes to him being a selfless... Change for him and becoming a better person is all done through the back end of becoming a selfless person by the time it's all said and done. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I think <clears throat> that, and I'm not saying he's the epitome of evil or anything, obviously. He's just no, a yeah, shitty sure. person. But yeah, I think sure. there are other actors that have done very similar roles that have done it a mm-hmm. lot better. I think Nicolas Cage in Family Man was like, he plays kind of a <laughs> shitty person better. <laughs> I don't know if y'all have seen that, but it's basically like a Christmas movie and like, he gets visited by an angel and he learns to become a better family man. I don't know. It's kind of not good, but I think mm. that <laughs> he plays a shitty father better than Bill Murray plays a shitty person, I guess. I don't know. I just didn't find it believable. Well, I think role changes are definitely part of it. I mean, again, it depends on what's going on around it contextually that I think makes it seem like it is. I sure. I don't know. It's, it's it's hard to say, but, but I guess... I'm glad that you at least said that like that to me that was the point of the movie right the first half of the movie really is where you're kind of getting at that first half where he's 
going through and i love that the movie even references it to the point where he says okay you don't like chocolate uh, no no fudge but no white chocolate or whatever yeah. and mm-hmm. she's like are you building a list you sicko and to yeah. be i love that the movie I love that the movie thought about everything that it was doing to the point of like up until this halfway point, we're showing you a person who needs to change, gets put in a situation where the the goal, the end goal for him to escape this is to change. He doesn't know that. So of course what happens His, at the beginning of this is kind of what I always look at when I think about superhero movies. If you give someone unbridled power like this, he's not looking at the downsides of it yet. All he's mm. looking at at the very beginning, really, after he kind of gets over the initial whoa, what the hell is happening phase is, wait a minute, if I just pay attention to my surroundings, I can use these things and manipulate people for my benefit. And right. yeah. as he continues to get worse, <laughs> he sets his goal on, the on of course, the girl. Mm-hmm. And he goes, okay, here I am. I'm going to go Multiple through the, the logical thing of getting worse and I, I would argue that that's the funny thing. It's like he has this and he gets worse before he gets better, which kind of is like that thing, like, you know, the, where people kind of talk about, like, you know, you've got to go through a bunch of shit before you can have that shifting point towards being a better person. It's like you're going to nosedive maybe where you don't even notice you're nosediving. And you notice he doesn't really start to change until it becomes like he goes through that montage of him killing himself. <laughs> <laughs> that was a good uh, and I love that because it goes, it all ties back into that overarching theme of like, he hasn't done the thing that, that the situation around him has deemed what he needs to do to change. And you see that even as he starts to actually genuinely change in his actions and he goes through and he has a genuinely good day uh, with, and I don't know why I'm forgetting her name now for some reason, Rita. Thank you. Uh, He has a good day with her, like an actually good day. She goes back and chooses to stay with him. He does nothing. He doesn't choose to do. He's not pushy like he was the first time when he got her to come back. Um, And, you, and it's, you almost see like a glimmer of hope when he's kind of like opened his heart and kind of realized that he does need to change. And he's like, you know, if I had the chance to, I would love you and to the, for the rest of my life and all that. And then the next morning, he still wakes up and it's the same day because he, even though he's realizing he needs to change, he hasn't actually done the change yet. So it's like the eye-opening mo- moment. And I love that as you keep going throughout the movie, it's like you see these scenes that build towards him slowly learning what it's like to like, he. it's it's almost like he was desensitized mm. to other people's feelings. And the movie continues to kind of present him with opportunities, even from the very beginning of the movie, right? The homeless man is one of the first things we see. Yeah. And they don't even, the homeless man doesn't even come back into play until very late movie when it's kind of like, oh yeah, I have all this money that I don't even need Give it to the homeless man. And yeah, that was a fat becomes, guy he pulled out of his pocket. <laughs> right? And I love that there was even the small detail of like, he was go- he was starting to give a couple of dollars and then he was like, wait a minute, I don't need this here. Yeah. And I, and again, it's just, it's small steps forward, but then you start seeing him care more and more. And I love that they chose to actually bring the homeless guy back as one of the big moments for that. And mm. the reason that I love that, because of how it reinforces what we have, uh, 
and I, I have it in my notes somewhere so I can know for sure, or I thought I had it in my notes. Either way, I know that what I was thinking is that, uh, you know, the, the death thing for him where he's going through every day after day after day of him not being able to kill himself and escape, but mm. then the movie flips that idea to where every day he's going through and trying to try something different to have this guy live just to realize at the end of it all, he can't change what's going to happen to this guy. And it's like a big catalyst for change within him, I feel like. I mean, I don't know. Maybe I'm just reading the movie differently. But I thought that was a really cool use of a theme of like, we see him trying to kill himself. And every day he wakes up with the singular goal of how he's going to change his day to, to actually get himself through it all. Then we see it kind of on the light turn of like trying to put that same energy and effort into helping someone. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know. I'm, I'm not trying to rant, so someone else talk. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, I totally agree with like the the redemption at the end is especially strong. I think they make a lot of good points for like, okay, cool. He's not just like being given credit for realizing that he needs to change. He still has to go through all the hard work and like put in a fuck ton of like effort to actually be given anything back by the movie. And it's the sort of like, you know, it's the cliche of like you know, ah, uh, the, the real treasure was the friends we made along the way. It's like, it's, it's the feeling of doing good. That's ultimately most rewarding to him. At which point he's not even trying to, you know, get with Rita anymore. He's more just preoccupied with like trying to be a good person. That part's exactly. cool. Exactly. Um, yeah. but I, I do still have to agree with the assessment that like before he reaches that point, he's rapey as fuck. Oh, of course. <laughs> Um, you, you and know how slimy it is to go to a girl and be like, hey, what class were you in? I mean, it's oh clever God. in the oh stupid God, way, yeah. but it's like, where did you go to high school? Who was your 12th, 12th grade English <laughs> teacher? Like, it, it's funny, but if you actually tried to translate that into like a real world, if you remove it from the lens of watching a movie, that's right. creepy as fuck. Yeah. And that's that's ultimately <laughs> like no part of the movie takes itself seriously enough for you to really like dwell on it i guess but yeah yeah it, it's definitely one of those things where it's like Ugh. but uh yeah at yeah. the same time it's like uh whatever it's like a 101 minute uh movie uh simple like comedy kind of thing and you know the the filmmaking is strong enough and the premise is strong enough to where like the whole the the obvious feel-good ending at least still feels like all right fine like i could nitpick it but i don't have to I think yeah, more more or less, it earns its kind of cookie cutter inning, like it, yeah, in a weird way, yeah. I did. <laughs> I, I enjoyed the piano lessons aspect. That was kind of mm. funny, like the piano teacher being like, he, uh, yeah. "He's my student." Like, <laughs> so he had one lesson, and he's just tearing it up. As far as you're <laughs> concerned, he's had one lesson. So that's yeah. a big question I had when this movie is like, at what point? Does she start to question what the fuck he's doing at a piano <laughs> lesson? Right? Does she think he's just a protege? Like, <laughs> yeah, because he can't. He obviously can't continue to be like, "This is my first lesson. I'm as good as fucking the best piano player of all time." Yeah. So, like, what at a certain point, what does he say? Like, hey, I just feel like teaching you something. Will you watch me for a little bit? <laughs> yeah, but clearly, yeah, she she views herself as his teacher. So I yeah. think that she was just willing to give herself the credit of being a, a fantastic teacher. Um, before we move on too far from it, I guess the, the cap I want to put on what we've all of what we've been talking about from mm. beforehand is, and, and Blake technically said it, right? It's like how efficient the movie is within trying to build towards its goal. 
And mm. that's one of my biggest things I like about the movie, not choosing to try and tackle a bunch of themes. Instead, it just drives in one theme that it can be super <clears throat> efficient on. And I think that that's what makes it feel earned at the end. I feel like this movie could have easily become a mess if it started trying to juggle a bunch of different themes alongside this. Yeah. Yeah. So credit for credit to them for having the restraint to not overblow it. So, you know, there's that age old uh, kiss principle, keep it simple, stupid. And <laughs> I think that, that does a lot for this. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Sure. I think sticking with the don't rape theme was re- very smart. <laughs> very smart. <laughs> <laughs> Generally good uh, advice. Yeah, very, very proud of Bill Murray here. Uh, yeah. Um, side note, we have to congratulate the movie for featuring a young Michael Shannon as the newly married man. Um, I, I mentioned that to the guys last night <laughs> and they were like, holy crap, that's Michael Shannon. Cause I said the same thing. There's a lot of uh, familiar faces in it. You know, is this what the Phantom Zone is like? <laughs> yeah. Uh, the, um, I don't, I don't even think he has a name, but one of the guys at the beginning is in white collar, which I really like that show. I don't know if you've ever seen it. And I was like, mm. Oh, that's, that's the, he has hair. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I gotta watch that show. Um, Good show. Well, shit. Anything else on themes that comes to mind? I, I'm. I feel like we've kind of talked about it. It's relatively straightforward, honestly, with this movie. Yeah, we beat down yeah. the themes, thankfully. Uh, yeah, beat it. Now, one of the things that I'm glad you touched on was the the kind of funny nature of the piano, but that ties into everything else. And part of it that I love is like, eventually the movie just becomes this thing of like tackling the age old problem that everyone's like, Oh, I have all these things I'm interested in, but I just don't have enough time to try them all and do them all and become good at them. Right. And he's like, well, I've got all the time in the world. I'm just going to learn French. (laughs) I'm going to, and of course he learns French for a very twisted reason, but you know, (laughs) he still learned French. Yeah. Uh, he decides he like what I loved about the piano scene is like he learned piano for nothing more than just himself. Like I love the scene of him just sitting in the diner by himself. Like he's mm-hmm. content. Like he's talking about he's he's done chasing anybody. He's just trying to enjoy his life now. He's in there by himself and he just hears the piano on the radio, looks up, and it's like, wait a minute, I have all this time. Why would I not learn how to play piano? Yeah, this is fan- fantastic. I like a, a lot of what the movie chose to do, and, and with that in regard, because you know, it, it's a, it's wouldn't that logically be what someone, hopefully a normal healthy human, would do if they <laughs> had endless time? See, it's funny because I had the thought in my head. I'm like, oh, he, he gets so many trophies, and then I sat there. I'm like, wait. <laughs> He couldn't because then it would reset the next day. So every trophy he gets goes away. Is it oh, ironic, that's... Chris? I'm not even joking. I thought the exact same <laughs> thing. And more importantly, I thought, well, is there a way? Because I was like, well, I thought trophies. And then yeah. I thought, well, okay, maybe he can't get trophies, but maybe he can just play and like catch up on backlogs of games he's been meaning to play. Yeah. And then I thought, mm-hmm. wait a minute his save state wouldn't carry over. And then I was like, then I was like, what are the rules in this world? Like, could, could he get a flash drive? Which of course it's nineties. They don't exist. But I was like, could he get like a memory card? And as long as the memory cards on his person, it'll keep his safe status. 
<laughs> he just like swallows it. Because <laughs> I was like, that's what I would try and do here. Is like, I'm going to put my save on the flash drive and hopefully yeah. tomorrow it's still there. <laughs> that was my thing. I'm like, oh, if my trophies just carried over day by day, I'd be I'd be in this shit. You, I, yeah. <laughs> this movie doesn't happen because I'm like, all right, sure, I'll do all these games today. Let's fucking <laughs> imagine go. trying to beat Red Dead Two in 24 hours. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the debate we were just. First of all. I would beat it in 24 hours because I would beat the shit out of the disc and throw it away. I, <laughs> I knew like, you wow. were going to say that. <laughs> Embarrassing. <laughs> Fuck that game. Uh, yeah, I do think it's... <laughs> it, it reminds me of that uh, Twilight Zone episode of like the... I forget what it's called. It's it's like Time at Last or something uh, where it's like that dude who's just finally seeking like... He's just trying to get away from everybody so we can just read his books and then it's like he's like the last person on earth and like he breaks his glasses and it's like, oh, you got what you wanted, but like monkey's paw curls a finger kind of thing. But like in this case, it's more of like the, what would you do with infinite time and no consequences? So yeah, I totally relate to that because I would do so much more practicing if I didn't feel like I had to budget for time. <laughs> right? It's like all of my interests I could actually do. Like I have so much interest like that I, I things that I either am already involved in that I mm-hmm. feel like I'm not as good as I wish I was at. Like, you know, I could totally be a better musician if I didn't have to worry about working every day and <laughs> didn't have to worry about time. And I mean, it's, it's a weird thing to say, but of course it's like, you know, I do have to deal with a daughter that's growing every day and I have a wife that I have to think about. Part of the setup that's great for him is like, it's just him. He's not married. He has no children. It's just him. So it's like he has, he's the perfect setup to just be able to kind of take advantage of this in the sense that you can grow in a bunch of other ways like different skills and stuff and i totally would do that i would be great at so many things <laughs> yeah because if he had like a wife and kids and it was like a school day or something or a work day like he'd have to take his kids to school every single time it starts over and have to go to work or whatever <laughs> I mean, you could probably skip work but you know like you still have a lot of obligations that you couldn't you can't just leave your four-year-old for the day <laughs> right well uh, here's I'm, here's I'm the here's the are you going to say what I was about to say? Because it's like the, the fucked up thing about the premises. Yes, okay, yep. We were, your entire, the exact same you could kill your entire family and the next day they would just be there. Well, okay, so that's that's the R-rated cut of this movie, right? It's like a random 10 minutes is Bill Murray just sawing people in half, right? Like, <laughs> like, like he has a problem with Ned. Ned runs yeah. up to him. Instead of the one time he punches him in the face, he like grabs him and takes him to the saw torture chamber. Oh my God. <laughs> and just would you, has like, would you like to knowing, play a game? Knowing the next day he's going to see him. American <laughs> History X is his ass on the curb. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Uh, yeah, see? That... I, I'm glad I wasn't the only one that thought about that. Like I'm watching the movie and I'm like, this is a good movie. And it's, you know, it's, it's not being, it's, it's taking a much more lighthearted approach to this premise, even mm-hmm. though I did appreciate like the, the, the death not being an escape thing. Cause mm-hmm. I thought it was cool that for a movie that's aiming at being a little more lighthearted and a comedy and kind of a teachable moment thing, chose to also be at least realistic enough to take that idea to its true darkest end because that's exactly eventually dude if you just felt like you were trapped and that nothing was ever changing you would totally think of killing yourself at least once one thing that i liked about one of the movies more recent movies that was very obviously inspired by this is happy death day i actually like enjoyed that movie more than this one because it's like it's not a gory movie. I think it's PG thirteen, but it's just. I think it's I just think able right. to take more advantage of you know it being a horror comedy. 
But sure. yeah, a rated I'm R glad you brought up that would movie. be awesome. I'm glad you brought up that movie though for two reasons. <clears throat> I thought it was interesting that of course that movie is clearly inspired by the general premise of Groundhog Day. I was just like, oh, every day is going to be a repeat of the same day. But I liked two things about the movie. Of course, I liked it being the, the horror comedy. But the secondary thing I liked about it was that they chose to have the the opposite swing than this movie did. So like in, in Groundhog Day, he remembers everything from the previous days. But if he mm. kills himself, he doesn't carry over any of the physical damage. And in the Happy Death Day movie, right. she has mm. the swing... Technically, I'll say spoilers if you haven't watched Happy Death Day or whatever it's called. <laughs> um, but it, and it's not a huge spoiler. But every day, every time that she dies, it's having an effect on her inside. Like she has scars and whatnot from it. Right. Uh, and I thought that was a cool swing on it. It's like, oh, okay, yeah. You you know, if you, if you are carrying over as an entire entity, then technically, all those times that Bill Murray, <clears throat> excuse me, tried to kill himself, he would have something from that right mm-hmm. yeah for sure mm. but more importantly i'm glad you brought it up for a weird thing and i haven't watched it but i i was thinking i was like you know it's good that groundhog day is a good movie and, I'm, and of course people view it as a classic but there was never a sequel because how do you make a sequel to a movie that's about the same day happening over and over again and getting stuck in a time loop Click. it would be stupid for it to happen again right but then happy death day comes out with happy death day too yeah <laughs> and the ironic part i i do too and i haven't watched it but i love that the print like the little you know micro premise that you can find like the little short description is like she the same girl gets stuck again you know how pissed i would be <laughs> if if not only did i get stuck in that once but again yeah right so yeah, i saw the second one and i thought they justified it pretty well personally hmm. i'm gonna have to watch it yeah That'll be, you know what would be really fun for this show is to do where we go through and watch and discuss movies that are clearly inspired by the story of another movie. Like we do the original movie first and then go off and watch the follow-up movie and kind yeah. of compare them. Definitely. I'd love to do that. <clears throat> I know we had talked about doing that with uh, Taxi Driver, King of Comedy, and Joker. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Still down. Still down as well. Definitely. And it's just occurring to me that Click kind of borrows from this premises and just like uh, a premise, not premises. It's a strictly the premises. Um, it's kind of like aping on like the general like idea of this, and it's just like oh, instead of a time loop, he's got a remote and he can just skip through boring stuff. And yeah, I don't know. I still haven't seen that movie actually. <laughs> oh, Click, good. dude, Click is it, it's weird. It's a legitimately good movie. Or at least I think it is. I love it's it. It's his last good Click movie awesome. until Uncut Gems. Damn. You didn't like Grown Ups? No, I hated <laughs> Grown Ups. It was really I didn't, didn't like Grown Ups either, actually. I thought Grown Ups one was, was funny. But I, I like Crazy that. Nights, I like dude. Movies. I always called Grown Ups uh, the expendables of comedy. Yes. <laughs> you mean the expendables of expendable comedy. Damn. <laughs> I, I mean, but like, realistically, everyone in that movie, except maybe Adam Sandler, is expendable. Wow. You're just going to disregard. Guess what? We got Kevin Hart. Ooh. Ooh. That's a hot take if I've ever heard one. <laughs> Kevin Hart's funny. All right. Well, look. <laughs> You're just going to disregard David Spade's role in Emperor's New Groove. 
No, yes. because we've got Zach Galifianakis now. It's the same thing. Hush. You hush your mouth. The Emperor's New Groove and Joe Dirt are defining characteristics. They're not. Of I'm not saying life. they don't have bad movies. I'm saying, like, we'd survive if they retired. Damn. Do okay. you not feel the same way about Adam Sandler prior to Uncut Gems? I haven't watched Uncut Gems. I just know that a lot of people view that as his return to more serious acting. The last movie I really enjoyed by him that was more comedy focused was Funny People, which is a really good movie, actually. Oh. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like Funny I've People. I've heard good things about lot. that. It's a little anyway, long, but it's good. <clears throat> yeah. Hmm. Well, uh, all right, let's get back to Groundhog Day. I'm sorry. Go ahead, Josh. I was Host just going to say, it sounded like Brett, you had an addition to that, unless you didn't, in which case I'll fuck off. I don't even know what I, I may have, and we've talked around <laughs> in circles enough for me to forget it. I don't know. All right. The year was 1993. <laughs> Billy Corgan and Butch Vig were... No, never mind. Um, oh, I do have something just in general if we're at a stuck point, but I'm going to let you go ahead and if you have any questions to ask. I was shit posting on podcasts, so please cut me off. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the only... <laughs> The only thing that I really just was curious about, but as I'm learning, I think most of you have not seen Ghostbusters. Is that oh. the consensus we came to a second ago? Correct. So have none of you seen Ghostbusters I've besides seen Ghostbusters. me? I've wanted that to. Is, yeah, me neither. That is, that's wild. I've All played right. Luigi's um, Mansion, if that helps. <laughs> cl- close <laughs> enough. <laughs> um, well, good. For people who have watched Ghostbusters and have watched this... Um, I feel like it's a callback, though it may not be. It may just be one of those weird moments where the director or the writer wrote something in and it just happens to work with a previous work that was involving them, even though it wasn't on purpose. Mm. Um, There is a scene in Ghostbusters, uh, excuse me, where Ray gets asked if he's a god and he says no or whatever. It's actually been a long time I've seen it, but the, the, the scene that matters is that the follow-up thing, um, Ernie Hudson, I think, is the... Uh, I can't... I think it's the actor's name. Uh, anyway, he says, uh, Ray, if someone asks you if, if you're a god, you say yes. And I thought it was really interesting in this movie that Bill Murray and Harold Ramis, who are both, of course, a huge part of Ghostbusters, mm-hmm. uh, he has the line where he's like, I'm a God. And I just, in, in <laughs> my mind, I was scene. like, I'm like, is that a reference to, you know, like the, of course he didn't take the opportunity to say in the, you know, Ghostbusters. And of course, Ray is Dan Aykroyd's character. Um, mm. So it's just, I just think it's a weird tie back for people who happen to follow those actors that it's a potential callback, but it may just be something I'm looking a little into. But as someone who's not watched Ghostbusters one or two in probably a decade, I even was like, ah, I wonder if that's a reference to Ghostbusters. Right. You know. That'd be cool if it was. I like stuff like that, where it's like when you have people who often work together and they choose to kind of reference past things in a way that totally stands on its own. So if you don't get the reference, it doesn't alienate you. But the, it's like the, if you choose to look, you can kind of find a little bit of something, something, you know? The Harold Ramis MCU. <laughs> <laughs> why is it always the MCU <laughs> because they're the like, only ones to do it there's right, no right, other right. franchises Universal yeah, tried it's, like, <laughs> it's a mummy movie <laughs> they did you mean the Tom Cruise movie <laughs> yeah that was the start to their monster universe thing yeah and then they they showed Tom Cruise more than the actual mummy who is the who is the publisher or 
whatever distributor for the um, King Kong, the Skull Island, and Godzilla movies. I Ooh. actually don't know. I'll look it up though. Because you know they're doing they're doing a film universe essentially. I feel like that could yeah. be Sony right now, but I'm not sure. Yeah, I'm not sure either. Uh, and I haven't watched either of those movies because King Kong has already been made a perfect movie um, by it's Peter production Jackson. Company is Legendary Pictures. Oh. Yeah, I knew it was Legendary. I just didn't know who distributed it and why it would know. you know if that matters. But yeah, they're they're working together where there's going to be a Kong Warner Godzilla. Brothers. Sorry. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. yeah, Godzilla King of Monsters fucking rocks. By the way, I haven't watched Sick. it though. It did look like it would be good. I so. own it. You should check it out. It's fun. That's the one that's got Brian Cranston in it, doesn't it? Uh, that's the sequel to that one. Mm. You're right. You're right. It was. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Either way, I need to check it out. Yeah, we can. Maybe we can watch that on here. It'd be fun to kind of do a. Uh, I would love to do movies that constantly get remade because of just how important they are. And I guess if you look at going back to Groundhog Day, if you kind of look about what Groundhog Day has done, I guess it's not technically being remade, but its spirit is being remade in a bunch of movies as you keep going because there's so many movies that borrow from this. Uh, and even in the lighthearted kind of romantic way that that movie kind of takes, there's a movie that's got Adam Devine or Divine or whatever his name is. Um, yeah. I think it's a Netflix film. It may not, but I watched it on Netflix. It's a perfectly fine movie where he's trying to get this girl to love him. And by the time that it's all done, he, I think he realizes that he doesn't need her to love him and that he can love her as something more than just rom- relationship or romantic wise. Anyway, I like that there's like you constantly see movies coming back to this idea in some form or fashion. So while it's not being remade, its spirit lives on. But then you have things like Godzilla and whatnot that are doing the like, oh, we're going to remake a movie that's so classic and so important that we remake it like every 20 years, you know? Because like, when was yeah. the last time that got a, that Godzilla was remade? It was in the 90s, right? Before uh, the most Spur- recent incarnation? Yeah, it was 90s with Matt, uh, Matthew Broderick, right? Well, was Peter Jackson was King Kong, but it wasn't Godzilla. Oh. I, I don't know yeah, why. Talking about I the, thought you said uh, King Kong. I'm stupid. Talking about the one where <laughs> the, the Godzillas are... Um, they have their nest under like Madison Square Garden. Yeah, yeah. If I'm not Brody mistaken, one. it's been a long time since Matthew I've Brody. seen that one. Yeah, that's right. That's, Matthew a, that's a dumb good movie. <clears throat> <laughs> Didn't that it one have a Green good. Day remix in it, or like on the I soundtrack or something? Wouldn't shock me for the time. <laughs> <laughs> but it was like a just... weird, like electronic remix of Brain Stew. <laughs> okay. <I dig> it. <laughs> but yeah, yeah I, I like to see that. Yeah. So I don't know. Uh, I guess at this point, can we just talk about scenes? That way we get back on track. I feel like we've gotten a little bit (laughs) off of the movie we're supposed to be talking about. Thankfully, I spun that gold nugget about it getting to live on its spirit. You're welcome, guys. Yeah, but I I do think the (laughs) the answer to your question would be that Godzilla is a character movie and uh, Groundhog Day is a concept movie, right? Yeah, fair. So it's easier to... The character can live on in infamy and even do new ideas. But if you yes. remake, if you remake Groundhog Day with, and change the premise because it's not about a character, it's really about the premise. Mm-hmm. And yeah, you're right. The concept can't really change, so it's better for it to live on in spirit in new movies. Right. Yeah, that's a good point. I actually hadn't thought of it that way, but that's a really good point. Because you can't, Mind you blown. can't do another gigantic lizard, right? Because it was like, oh, that's Godzilla, even though it looks like an iguana instead of a fucking T Rex. <laughs> but you know, Supernatural can do a better Groundhog's Day, and 
it's fine because it's just the concept. You can't be like, oh, you stole. You can't steal a concept. Hmm. I guess that's fair. I, I feel like that gets shit on sometimes, and it really just falls to execution. Because if it's executed well, then people aren't going to complain if it feels derivative. Because it's like, ah, oh, but it's good. Yeah, for that's sure. True. I, yeah. I just don't think you could make you know attack of the killer salamanders. People <laughs> would be like, oh, that's a that's a that's a weird Godzilla movie. <laughs> I don't you know. I'd watch that. You'd think that, but like, you know, you're talking about, of course, technically that's what's going on in a lot of things. Like, it'd be really ballsy for someone to remake um, Groundhog Day. But even things that are based around characters and concepts, even then, man, there's so many things where you see it and it's like, oh, this is just mech. <laughs> These are just mechs. Yeah. We've got Big O, Gundam, Neon Genesis, Evangelion. We just got to, you know, it doesn't matter. They're all right. just, we have Pacific Rim, Transformers. It doesn't matter. <laughs> Yeah, for sure. <laughs> I don't know. That's interesting. All right. Well, uh, did anybody have any scenes that they specifically want to point out in this movie? Uh, I, sorry, I wasn't trying to steal your uh, hosting thunder there, Josh. Just trying no, to get go for it. on track. Oh, please do. I My train of thought crashed long ago, so by all means, <laughs> use yours. Um, one that stands out for me is uh, I just really enjoyed the close up of the clock on like the billionth day where it's like oh, 559 yes. and it's like it looks gigantic. And like I wonder if that was like a specific prop they made because it, it legitimately looked like just something larger than just his usual like turnover clock. But yeah, they had uh, that was yeah. My, one of my favorite scenes in the movie. I, <laughs> I wondered as well. To me, that's one of the most beautifully shot. Like it's everything about it. It's like, it's, it's so up close, almost like a macro shot. It's weighty and slow. The yeah. music in the background has got kind of got a tension to it while you wait to see if it's going to be the same day again when you're not, when, you know, when you don't know the next premise and then you hear that loud thud it's very mm-hmm. Kubrick X esque. <laughs> very. Mm. And you remember, I, I, I was talking about how movies like, uh, I can't remember the exact movie actually now, and that goes to show how bad it was. But recently there was a movie where I said, like, I was a little disappointed that it didn't have a scene that felt iconic. Mm. And shout out to this movie that that was like, that was kind of it. Like I saw that and I was like, damn, that will stick with you. Like there's just something about it. That's like, it it was surprising to see a movie that's trying to be a lighthearted comedy, have a scene that's just like so resonant. Right. And I thought it was cool. Yeah. Um, I, I enjoyed a lot of the Ned scenes. Uh, just, uh, yeah, he he was, I, I feel like everyone, know someone like that and whether you're as annoyed by them as uh as bill murray is or whether you just see them as well-meaning and you you know you're totally happy to talk to them i think uh everyone relates to having you know that friend or neighbor or coworker who's just like so unbearably happy and chipper all the time they're just like okay i get it please just leave me alone <laughs> kind of socially unaware <laughs> <laughs> just so friendly it's toxic i'm glad you brought up ned um did anybody kind of take and of course we already kind of loosely covered it with the rapey vibe thing the whole scene with the uh nancy lincoln walsh where he's going through and kind of doing that i love that it was almost like a reverse of what ned has been doing to him but in a twisted way that never actually happened like ned's been coming up to him and being like do you remember me i dated your sister and all this ridiculous stuff and then i almost wonder like the movie doesn't necessarily point blank say it but it's almost like 
like Ned gave him the idea. Like he was like, oh, I could just go up to a girl, learn all the information I need to know about her. Then the next day I could just <laughs> say all the things that I would need to say to essentially do what Ned's doing to me, but I'd mm. be implanting a false memory for her. Uh, I thought that was interesting and, and funny. Like, you know, it, it ties back to uh, kind of that whole situation where things could be creepy or not creepy based off of the context around them and how you feel about the way you're presenting it. Well, that was kind of the interesting thing where I guess that scene didn't bother me as much as the whole thing with Rita. Well, because it didn't feel as pushed. That's kind of the difference. Yeah. That was basically like a pickup artist. And then (laughs) it was kind of like confirmed that like, she was also having a one night stand, even though she didn't want to say she was because he goes, (laughs) He says, oh, Rita. And then she's like, Nancy. He's like, whatever. And they just continue. And that's me. Yeah. like, okay, so you guys, it's totally fine. But yeah, I, I like that. Scene. Well, but that goes back to what I was just talking about, that kind of ability to change the context around something. Mm-hmm. The exactly. way that the editing and everything was being cut, really, both the Nancy and the, the Rita thing are, are really the same thing. They're two sides of the exact same coin. It's like a double-headed coin. When you're going through and looking, it's like, they're both him essentially fine learning a girl's information so he can get her to where he wants her to be. It goes well with one and not so well with the other, but the one that matters is the one that they choose to drop all the funny music and change mm. the context around. And it shows a lot about Rita's character that she's not as easily bent over. Like, Hey, thanks for tuning in. This is probably your but yeah, I love that. Uh, I thought that was a really interesting God choice to do there because it's funny with the Nancy thing and then the Rita thing just kind of gets to be the serious take on the exact same idea. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I did at least appreciate that like throughout it, like I guess with the exception of some of the later conversations where it felt like it was a little bit stereotypical, like things a woman wants, like according to people who don't talk to women very often, checklist. Um, but yeah i i appreciated that she at least had like you know agency and was like you know still like no fuck off like every time like repeatedly and it was only like he had to do a lot of shit right for her to like start to respond to him sure Um, blake you still laughing about that (laughs) (laughs) I back the way to try to keep it off the mic, but I can't stop. <laughs> oh, dear. Uh, Josh, going towards you were saying, I really thought it did a lot. Like You remember we were talking about Scarface, which is funny. We keep bringing it up because it's yes. that classic very movie that movies. lives. Yeah. Yeah, 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 very much. Uh, but you know, you always talked about how in Scarface, uh, Michelle Pfeiffer, or whatever her name is, <laughs> mm. uh, her, her character was like very poorly developed and kind of underwritten. I feel like one of the things I like about Rita is while she may be a little bit more of a, like you said, it's kind of like everything she was listing off kind of felt like what you would like the, the what is almost always like the TV version of what a woman wants. But for mm-hmm. some reason, the way that Rita's actress performs that and like mm. goes through it. I believe it. Like, I don't know why something about the way that they wrote and edited all it together. It's like, and maybe it's because they waited until so long in the movie to get her to say these things. So it's like, you feel like you had a lot of time with the character building up to that. Um, I just like that when she said it, it's like, yeah, it always sounds like normal stuff, but it sounds believable. And in the sense that like, sometimes people are just that 
basic. Like sometimes people <laughs> do just like the things that people all cliche like, you know? Mm-hmm. That's fair. So any other scenes that shout out to people? Um, <sighs> Car chase on the railroad tracks. Yeah, that was oh, awesome. Yeah. <laughs> Great scene. Uh, I, I just enjoyed the whole drunken adventure with those dudes from the bar and kind of getting to see like, uh, fuck, I forgot what the line was, but something about like, uh, you know, Bill Murray bemoaning his whole like, oh, I'm trapped in every, every day, nothing I do matters. And the guy next to him was just like, yeah, me too. Yeah. 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 Uh, I'm glad you brought up the, the train scene, though, because uh, another car scene in the movie or, you know, car chase maybe scene in the movie that's really, really funny to me from just a, a standpoint of like helping kind of alleviate the, the tension that would otherwise be there is when he's uh, he's driving off with the groundhog and the groundhog's like actually driving. And I love that it's, it's, it's done well. Like they didn't use a fake groundhog or at least it mm-hmm. didn't look like it. Like it looked like he had a legit groundhog in his lap and just had its hands up on the steering wheel and it just made it really funny because like it had like the quippy back end that you expect from bill murray if you've seen a lot of his movies but it mm-hmm. just the setup around it worked because it's like oh, okay yeah nothing's really for sure going on yeah i do want to say though if that had ended his life he just took an innocent groundhog with him what a dick <sighs> Does that change whether winter comes or goes early? (laughs) If he's in a thousand pieces, he's got like a thousand shadows, so it's just never ending. Damn. (laughs) (laughs) And that's Uh, how Game of Thrones gets tied into being in the same universe as Groundhog Day. I can't believe you just said that because he was talking about a dream of spring, and I'm like, oh, I'm never going to read that fucking book. Uh, the uh, let's see there's a couple other ones I mean really I love the groundhog I don't know why the, the groundhog situation I also love that the like how illogical it was to steal the groundhog <laughs> but I love it because it's like when you've been repeating the same day endlessly mm-hmm. even the most irrational stuff starts to become rational in your mind it's like yeah. well it's clearly it's groundhog day so if the groundhog is if me and the groundhog both go maybe it's the end of this all yeah that's honestly like as far as the shit that he had tried out by that point that wasn't the most irrational thing he had tried it made more sense than the toaster (laughs) yeah that's true (laughs) you know the weirdly dark thing about that whole entire scene right is because he comes back with all his memories so he comes back with all of the pain that he went through to kill himself. <laughs> and that's the part that really fucks me up. <laughs> yeah, he's like, I've killed myself more times than I can count. It's like, right. all right, dude. The dark underbelly of the movie is that like all the depression just made him numb. That's really, <laughs> dude, it's, it, go, it goes to show you how much framing of, a, of an idea can just change the way you view it because... All it takes is one really, really weird take, and that this whole movie just takes a crazy left turn. Yeah. 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 Uh, so nobody brought up stealing the money, which I just loved. Every aspect of yeah. it, mm-hmm. where he's just counting, he's like, you know, the car drives by, he's like, one, yeah. two, three, four, car, six, and he keeps going. Uh, the whole situation was funny, and then I love that, even though the movie didn't flat out show that this is what he did, I, he did, I, I kind of 
got the idea that this was the implication is like with that money he went and bought that ridiculous car and the cowboy get up and got the girl date <laughs> so they go to the movies yeah and the little throwaway line at the end too when nancy walks by and he goes nancy <laughs> she looks back and he goes it's max fiance <laughs> 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 I, I i do enjoy like just that's the thing i feel like we get less of of just like stuff that's goofy and it's like it's almost like childlike it's it's not like it's not like goofy in like a fucked up way it's just like yeah dude fuck it i bought a nice car and i'm dressed as like clint eastwood like whatever yeah i don't know i enjoy that kind of stuff i didn't really like the scene where they're um i think there was one or two other ones that did this also but it was whenever he learned that she was a french major like early in her college career or whatever Mm -hmm. and um the camera like panned away to the waiter and then panned back and there was like a new day. I just really liked how huh. they did that. Yeah. Yeah, where it's like it's each successive day just happening without a like without even a cut. Yeah, like in the same scene. Like you I think you mentioned it a little bit earlier, like how editing must have been a nightmare. And like that's the immediate <laughs> scene that I thought of. Yeah. Yeah, props to whoever uh edited this because it's even before all that shit started i was like really impressed like when they were like driving the van i just like all the transitions in like even the early sequences where it's very straightforward i was like this is really smoothly put together and it's like it has a nice flow to it mm-hmm. but yeah uh unless anybody has any final words to say on yeah. groundhog day i have one final What's question up, and kind of statement so mm. I think Larry, and I don't know if y'all agree with me on this, you know, the camera guy, Larry, mm-hmm. I think he was the only person that made me laugh out loud of this entire movie. <laughs> yeah, he was awesome. He was like the best part <laughs> by far. I wish he was in more of it, which I just really like that actor. I can't think of his name right now, but yeah, I really like him too. I mean, he made me laugh, but he wasn't the only person that made me laugh out loud, I guess. So it's kind of just, I don't know. I mean, I giggled uh, much again. throughout, but. He was like, there was a couple scenes, and I don't remember exactly what he said at this point, but it just made me like legit laugh out loud. I loved the, uh, we didn't mention it, but I loved the scene of the uh, auction, and he goes up there, and he's just spinning around, like trying to show his body. <laughs> it's like a quarter. <laughs> he was good. That whole scene was great. I also just found out that he was uh, Bob in Osmosis Jones, so there's that. Oh, okay. interesting. And you know who else was in Osmosis Jones? Whom? Bill Murray. Bill Murray. Damn. Same universe. <laughs> oh, dude. <laughs> Expanded uh, universe. MCU. Okay, well, while we're going off MCU. to... One of the only ones I have, it's the BCU, <coughs> the BMCU, the Bill Murray Cinematic Universe. Um, <laughs> yes. <laughs> Uh, the one scene I guess that I will lend off that, that I just loved and it's such a small scene but I just love it because it's like he finally gets there uh, is when Phil almost steps in the water hole but he mm, stops yes. long yeah. enough to see someone else coming and he kind of yeah. like he could say something to them <laughs> but instead he just lets them go in and my favorite part about it is like right after they do it he just has this like shit eating grin on his face <laughs> that's pretty good i almost thought he was gonna then like be so distracted by his like enjoyment that he'd step in it anyway so i was glad that he did that would have been even funnier actually (laughs) just to kind of like wrap things up (laughs) but i love that because it's it's exactly something i would do because it's something that's so harmless like it wouldn't really 
ruin anybody's this total day or hurt them in any real way. Mm -hmm. But it's kind of like when he's been a victim to it so many times (laughs) that he finally stopped to think about it and kind of gets to revel in someone else suffering the same fate he did. It was just funny. I liked it. Yeah, it was good. (sighs) Uh, So does he create a new timeline every time he kills himself or every time the day starts over? Because potentially he's fucking up a lot of people's lives. Like the truck driver who hits him, (laughs) who's traumatized forever. And like the uh, bed and breakfast owner who's just like, oh my God, I have to clean this body out of my bathtub. And just like that, that could be a, that could be a potential uh, spiraling out of creating hellish situations for people cleaning up his corpses. But see, what's going to happen is that in the uh, Bill Murray Avengers, there's going to be a <laughs> scene uh, where they actually go back and reference that, and it's going to be a point where they can't, you know, if they go there, they have to return all the different things back to their own timeline. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah, yeah so they have to just, put the right pieces of toast in the right slots. They for have it to, to work. What, what, what happens is that they have to make sure that they put every dead Murray, every dead Bill Murray, back in his timeline to save the the yes. one true timeline. You know, yeah. Dead Murray Which timeline is like the, the true cool timeline? Name. <laughs> What'd you it's say? Like dead Kennedys, the dead but not yeah, <laughs> the dead Murrays. But there it's actually is like a band. slow indie band. <laughs> Fun fact: It's technically, I guess, a single person, uh, but. The I want to say guitar player. I can't remember what he was in Attack Attack, but uh, Ooh. Johnny Frank from Attack Attack went on to make a music project called Bill Murray. That's B I L M U R I, and it's, it's fucking a, fantastic. It is so good. It is I very don't even good. think I know who Attack Attack is. <laughs> oh man, you got to get <laughs> your crab core on, lucky. dude. <laughs> Yeah, well, you gotta Haley get crap for him. I'm sure she knows about him. So, oh yeah, definitely. And I, I mean this. It, it's just every person I ever know that was super into them, females. I don't know why. That's just at least in my surrounding area, that was the most like. It, it wasn't exclusively. It just seemed overwhelmingly lopsided in one direction. I had a high school metalcore band, like you do, and uh, Attack like Attack was one of the that. preeminent. Uh, influences on several of us we we overused a lot of garage band auto-tune in those days <laughs> <laughs> we just had a 303 cover band when i was in high school <laughs> oh my god Wait, is that a real thing <laughs> no it's not <laughs> thank Are you god sure? for I'll, that i'll buy your demos i need to hear it yeah dude H- who did you get to be kesha <laughs> you wouldn't know her Oh, she's from Canada. She goes to another school. (laughs) She goes to another school. (laughs) I would hope so. She's in Canada. (laughs) (laughs) She's a commuter. (laughs) She flies in every day. Rides her broomstick over from Canada. (laughs) So Canada's Hogwarts now. Is that what we we just established? Yeah, I mean, everywhere that's not the United States is Europe, right? <laughs> okay, well, I think we've about beat this, uh, this horse dead. Yes. Uh, all right. Well, thank you so much for joining us on this week, uh, episode 420-69 of the Billy Corgan Fan Club. Um yeah, this has been really exciting. Uh, I, I can't wait to do it all again tomorrow. And... Uh, yeah, uh, I guess I'll give it to Brett for the spiel, unless we want to go to Blake first with his movie choice. 
Yeah, I'll Let's go, go ahead, ahead and go to Blake. Yeah, so my choice for next week is The House. Well, there's no the, so just House of a Thousand <laughs> Corpses, directed by the great Rob Zombie. <laughs> you know you missed a prime opportunity to say Groundhog Day again? Just to <laughs> <people>. <laughs> That's like, too my that's movie too above for this my week intelligence is... level, man. I need to think about it. <laughs> <laughs> I know that this is weird, but I, there was like a part of me that was like, please say Groundhog Day. Just <laughs> just say it and then go psych and then go on and tell your real movie. <laughs> that that should have honestly been the joke for the rest of the show's run is everyone <laughs> says Groundhog's Day and then the episode comes out, but it's a different movie. But it's always Groundhog's Day on the show. <laughs> It'd be I'm worse if that. we named every episode Groundhog Day. <laughs> <laughs> same description, too. You don't even know no, what we're actually watching. It's, it's the same description. You introduce it as the same date, everything, but we just choose to watch a different movie on that day. <laughs> same social media posts. Do we just, like, do, hold on. Do we just invent our next podcast? It's going to be a movie podcast <laughs> where <laughs> every time... It's gonna be that we're reliving the same day, but with each day we get to we choose to watch a different movie. Yeah, it's I gotta be admit, called the Groundhog Day cast. We, we missed out on a incredible opportunity to have that be our brand because that would be so funny. Groundhog, <laughs> Groundhog matinee. <laughs> Damn. It'd be impossible for people to search us up though. <laughs> They'd search Groundhog Day get like six hundred episodes. Listen, no, it would just be listen. I think it's, it's just it's don't, be don't poke don't poke holes in our fun, okay? <laughs> we it do a different episode start. for each day. <clears throat> we are whimsical just dreaming about all the fun we could have had, okay? Yeah. <laughs> so Doesn't matter I, how bad it would have been. I do want to mention real quick about House of a Thousand Corpses. It is available to stream on Cinemax. So for the four people that subscribe to Cinemax every month, you're welcome to watch Mm. it there. More uh, like Skinemax, bro. (laughs) (laughs) I think it's like $2.99 to rent. I I know it's $4.99 on Voodoo right now, but I think that's a sale. So I'm not real sure, but it's not an expensive movie regardless. And it's well worth it, I think. It was an expensive movie to make either. No, actually, I don't think it was. Which is weird because it's it's just phenomenal all around. So you would think it had a massive budget, but you know, really, uh, really doing your best to sell it there, Blake. Uh. <laughs> but no, we'll move on to Brett to close out the show for the night. Once again, Blake, you're just missing, or really, Chris, rather. I'm sorry, that's what I'm gonna say. You're missing an opportunity. <laughs> you, you guys are starting firing on all cylinders. That could have been your moment, Chris, to say, "Well, Red Dead Redemption Two had a huge budget and it still wasn't good." But Damn. you just, you know, you completely miss these things. But it's okay. I did. I, I, did I pulled your weight for it. you. So, but, so you know, I've got you back, bro. Don't worry about it. More like uh, Rockstar's <laughs> a house of a thousand corpses. Dude. Oh, <laughs> Get it? All right. Of course, I'm make a Rockstar podcast, and you're not invited, dude. That's okay. <laughs> oh, let's talk about bad right, gameplay. Rockstar, like the, the mid or the mid '90s, early 2000s uh, walk, Mark Wahlberg movie with Jennifer no, Aniston. The energy drink. I'm just gonna try a new energy drink every week, and I'll slurp it <laughs> in the yeah. microphone. I like that as well. All right. The giant bomb did it better. Thank you guys for suffering fair, through fair. this. This is easily our most off the rails episode, <laughs> but that's okay. We have to have one of these every now and then. So thank you guys for uh, 
hopefully not suffering through this. <laughs> uh, but you can find this podcast every Wednesday on podcast services. And if you're on one like iTunes or one that has a, a review system, we'd love it if you'd review the show. Let us know what you do and don't like about the show as well as letting other people know what you liked about the show so that they know whether or not our show is worth their time. Uh, you can find us on uh, Twitter at matinee underscore midweek and also over on Facebook we are midweek matinee where you can partake in our weekly uh, fun events where we scare, we share screenshots for the movies that we're talking about we do fun guest the movie games a uh, bunch of other stuff going on so go over to social media give us a like and a follow so you can keep up with when episodes are dropping uh, and just generally be part of the fun community and lastly if you would like to support the show even more than with just your time which we are ever so grateful for you can head over to patreon.com slash nartech where you can actually get episodes a week early of this show uh, and as a thank you for your support. So we will see you guys next week. This has been Midweek Matinee. <laughs> Sneeze was epic. <laughs> Thanks to our patrons, Josh Jarrell, Matthew Green, my name is Dan, Luke Bartolomeo, Sean Santarude, Funk Turkey, Danny Villalobos, Corey Hickerson, Blake Popes, Kevin Baconbits, our new patron this month, Shagwist, hey. Steven Salazar, The Stonerd, Travis Below, Eduardo Palomino, Stefan Swanland, Constantly Kenny, Solitary Red, Chris Figs, Brian, Donovan Williams, William Digital Spooker, Derek Porter, Josh Ayers, Brandon Edwards, Sean One Neo, Tyler Powers, and lastly, Mr. El Chabib. Thank you guys. Hello, Looker, and congratulations. You have discovered the secret message. Midweek Matinee is produced and edited by Christopher Figueroa. Music is by Joshua Lago. Thank you for your support and for enjoying all these movies with us. And lastly, please send your iTunes reviews to Old Pink, care of the Funny Farm. Thank you for tuning in to this week's episode of the Billy Corgan Fancast. This is episode 420. Uh, We are, no, this is actually Midweek Matinee, the movie podcast. 69. Yeah. Mm -hmm. (laughs) 420 divided by 69 equals DMT. Um, We are Midweek Matinee. We talk about movies. This week, we're talking about. Groundhog Day, uh, a Harold Ramis classic from 1993, which has cemented its place in pop culture and basically is the de facto definition of the phrase Groundhog Day. Um, this week, as is every week, is the case every week, we are joined by Blake. How's it going, everybody? <laughs> we are also joined by Chris. Oh, hello, everyone. And because I don't know how to say these names in any other order, we have uh, 
Brett, the man who actually gets things done during the apocalypse and makes uh, certain <laughs> people who sometimes host this podcast feel like they really should get better at their time management. Uh, Brett, how's it going? <laughs> oh, hi. I, I didn't see you there. I was just <laughs> painting this tree. <laughs> what color? Seems like terrible time management. <laughs> you, you know, trees already tree? have colors. The, the tree is red. It represents my anger with you for wasting all of your free time. Do you also have a, do you also have a blue tree? I do, because yeah. it represents the melancholy that I feel for you wasting all your free time. Do you have one tree or two trees? Three trees, because so you, you have, predict me. So you have one tree, but you also have two more trees, and they're red and blue trees? No, the third tree is a random color. I didn't what are ask we doing about here? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> well, speaking of melancholy, uh, that whole bit gave me infinite sadness. Anyway, uh, so let's get right into it. Uh, Groundhog Day, obviously, uh, is a movie that's, I think, even if people haven't seen it, it's kind of well-known. It's a, you know, it's kind of a classic. It's one of those iconic Bill Murray roles. And uh, I think everyone's at least loosely familiar with, you know, the premise of a jaded news reporter who gets stuck reliving the same day over and over and over again uh, ad nauseum. But uh, one thing I'm curious about before we get into our deeper dive is like, uh, I want to kind of go around and talk about uh, how closely this movie did or did not match up with your expectation of it, since this is a fairly well-known movie. Uh, So I want to start with Blake. Uh, How did this movie compare to your idea of it? And had you seen it before? So, no, I have not seen it before. And um, I've never, like, this is kind of my hot take for the episode, I guess. I've never been a big fan of Bill Murray. Like, I like the guy, but he's just never made me laugh, really. Like, his brand of comedy, I guess. Mm -hmm. So, I went into it kind of with, like, like, mild might be too mild of a word i guess like with mediocre <laughs> expectations i went in expecting to enjoy it but not think it's like one of the best comedies ever like i hear so many people say and that's pretty right. much how i walked out of it i enjoyed the movie but i maybe laughed like twice i think it was a better movie than it was a better comedy if that makes sense mm. yeah that's fair all right uh chris what about you uh, i thought it was a pretty good movie i hadn't seen it before and i think the expectations of what the movie was kind of hurt it for me a little bit because I was mm. expecting this just I was expecting something that I felt was more influential you know what I mean and it obviously was influential I'm not saying it wasn't but like I felt like I would feel that more mm. and I think maybe the issue is I have also seen a lot of things with the same concept before this um, so that's how I felt about it I thought it was good it was just wasn't everything I was expecting at the same time Gotcha. That's fair. Uh, and Brett, what about you? Had you seen this movie before? Yeah, I actually had. Um, <clears throat> it's been about 10, maybe 12 years. I'd say the last time I watched it, I'm pretty sure it was sometime in 2008. Um, it was weird re-watching it because it kind of gives you... It's like, I remember when I watched it, it wasn't like the center of my attention. So mm-hmm. it was almost... <laughs> It was almost like a Groundhog Day experience of like, I remember some of this, but it's weird. It's like vaguely familiar, uh, kind of like the scene when she's like, 
do you get any deja vu from this? <laughs> it just kind of had that, that thing going for it. Uh, now, speaking on its legacy, and I think what a lot of people view it from, of course, I had the fact that I'd seen it before, but I still feel it. I don't know what it is. Maybe it's because there is a, a sense of nostalgia tied to it, but I know that I had never watched anything else with the time loop premise prior to watching it, so I still got that magic the first time of watching it of the kind of the... Um, the novelty of the premise that when the movie came out, it really genuinely was a novel premise. Mm-hmm. So it, it, rewatching it was fun. I had a really good time. I do like Bill Murray. I'm not like obsessive, but there's plenty of people who are. I, I do think he's funny in a lot of roles, uh, but I'm, I mean, you know, it's not like Blake was saying, like, you know, you hear a lot of people that are like, oh my God, Bill Murray. I do like him, but it's not something like that. So uh, either way, I enjoyed it. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I think that's, that's totally fair. It's hard to, I don't know, it's hard to separate a movie from its legacy when it's something that's so ingrained in pop culture. And that's, uh, that's a thing we kind of talked about with Scarface too, where it's like, at some point, something is so just everywhere that you kind of have an impression of it and you kind of have a relationship to it, even if you haven't seen the movie. Um, but yeah, that is really interesting that you bring it up that like, it is potentially the movie that popularized the trope of time loops and then other movies, you know, do it better because they get to learn from, you know, previous movies that explore the same theme. Um, yeah, or for me, do it different, you know, I, I think that's kind of the big thing. Uh, sure. I guess we should give it its, its credit. It was actually put into, uh, the, what do you want to call it? The, the film history thing for, as being a culturally and, uh, you know, culturally significant to film. So I yeah. do think that it is wi- widely viewed as the the movie that, if not created, which I don't know that, if not created that um, premise, at least popularized it. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, getting added to the National Film Registry is, uh, I mean, that's a pretty high honor for any movie. But uh, yeah, yeah so just my summarize my thoughts. Just worded it poorly. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's all National good. I, I'm Film cheating. Registry sounds a lot better than movie hall of fame or whatever. <laughs> 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 movie museum. Um, yeah, no, I'm cheating. I have the Wikipedia page in front of me. Uh, oh, you cheater! <laughs> I'm such a piece of shit. Uh, so yeah, uh, quickly summarize my initial impression of it. I. Um, I, I'm I'm one of those young idiot kids who hasn't seen movies. Uh, I haven't seen most movies, honestly. But uh, yeah, this is... I, I think I've seen like three movies that Bill Murray's in, and two of them are Wes Anderson movies. So yeah, this is probably my first like watching through a proper Bill Murray comedy. And, and I should totally acknowledge off the bat that it's like... I, I imagine to at least one person listening to this, it's absurd that we're even like oh, how was your first viewing of this classic movie that's been out almost 30 years? <laughs> um, I know I know this movie's a big deal for some people, and that's part of why I was excited to get to watch it, because it's like, you know, I want to get to know what the hype's about. But, yeah, um, for sure. Yeah, for me, it, it feels... Uh, there's something very cookie-cutter in like a way that's comforting, but still not adventurous at all about like 90s comedies like this. Uh, and this one, to me, very much... Well, this was 93, right? You know, it was totally following the tradition, but my point of reference is always Tommy Boy. So to me, when I think of like a movie that feels this way and progresses roughly this way, with the exception of the time loop novelty, I think of Tommy Boy and to a lesser extent, Black Sheep. Um, Mm -hmm. 
but yeah, so part of me was kind of like, I feel like I would enjoy this more if it was David Spade playing the the stuck up dude who doesn't want friends as opposed to Bill Murray. Um, but uh, way, I didn't realize that this movie was. I really thought this movie was like eighty nine for some reason. So when you said ninety three, I was like, I guess it just feels decidedly eighties to me. Yeah, so, yeah. It, I was surprised it was a nineties movie too. Just yeah, I assumed eighties as well. Much in eighty, like but late eighties. It feels like when you're right on the cusp of kind of changing into the nineties, but it still has so much of the eighties feel. And that may just because come uh, maybe because of the fact that it was Harold Ramis and. Mm-hmm. Not too far after the '80s, I actually didn't know this was made by Harold or directed by Harold Ramis until uh, I was watching the beginning, and it kind of just popped up, and I said, "Oh, like it's not surprising," but I just didn't know it. Yeah, yeah, I, I I'm like less familiar with his work, but I kind of felt the same way because I, I felt like I would, I felt like his work would kind of stand out, and I would like identify this with him. But yeah, anyway, yeah. Uh, I'll, I'll stop actually, I go sorry. ahead. I had actually never heard of Harold Ramis until watching this, which I'm sure I may have seen some of his other stuff, but the name didn't, it didn't ring a bell for me until watching this movie. So Uh, he did passion of of the Christ, sir. (laughs) Wait, what? (laughs) He did passion of the Christ. That's not actually true. He didn't. Okay, that's, I was about to say, I don't think that's true. true. <laughs> I don't think that's true. Mel Gibson is Harold Ramis? <laughs> da, da, no, da, da. So most people know Harold Ramis because of Ghostbusters, if we're just being honest. I mean, that's, okay. that's I've never the seen breakout it. starring role that everyone would know. Oh, well. And, you know, I'm really surprised. For some reason, I did not... When you chose this movie, I didn't think that I was the only person that had seen it before. For some reason, I thought <laughs> that at least somebody else had seen it. So I have a, a very light question that's just a curiosity, yes. Josh. Was the recent Super Bowl commercial a catalyst for making you want to choose this movie? Did it kind of bring it, bring it back up in your mind because it kind of got a little second wave of people talking about it? You know, I actually didn't know about that Super Bowl commercial until just before we started recording when I happened to see it in Google search results. Mm. Um, so part of me is glad that somebody thought to do that because that's like one of those, I, I like dumb ideas that you follow through on anyway, and that's totally one of them. Um, but uh, yeah, it was, uh, I think once like the whole quarantine thing started, I was just seeing a lot more like uh groundhog day memes of like all right it's it's monday again but just like you know (laughs) in like the the quarantine kind of uh lens but uh yeah that was basically it it was uh topically somewhat relevant and it was on netflix that's my criteria i'm i'm not being adventurous this week um (laughs) anyway um but yeah i guess we can just fucking dive right the fuck into it uh Let's get into the meat of this movie discussion. I guess we can go into themes. I don't know if there's... It's kind of like the one big novelty thing. It feels more like the events that happen are the kind of meat of what to talk about here. But uh, Well, it's interesting because, I mean, I, I feel like it does do the movie. And again, it's, it's weird. It may be different for you guys because this is all first viewing after seeing, again, a, a, a lot of media that borrows from this premise. But to me... Um, and I feel like most of the movies that utilize this premise all actually utilize it with the same back end theme, which is just the, the it's like the ultimate theme of self improvement because it's kind of like 
how when you're looking at it's like by reliving the same day over and over and being able to reflect on the consequences of every action and seeing how it goes out and then being able to change it and see how it changes things mm. is like the ultimate way for you to kind of again it's it's something that can only happen in fiction but that's kind of the great thing like you know it's fiction using its device in a very uh, weird but unique way to tell a really strange story of self-improvement but i I actually like that theme and again because i'd seen the movie in the past and not had seen anything that borrowed from that premise yet it felt really novel and revisiting it felt just as novel to me again and in a good way and like I, i still feel like like blake said he thinks it's actually a better movie than a better comedy i think it's interesting because it's one of those things 